like nostalgic. Movie review from Nerdy Married Man. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to new nostalgic movie reviews. I am David. And I'm Steven. And today we are looking at Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, this is a 2023 film, PG-13, and it's two hours and 30 minutes. The synopsis is uh, still reeling from the loss of Gamora. Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own. A mission that could mean the end of the Guardians if not successful. Yep, and the cast for this one, uh, as always, we got Chris Pratt, Bradley Cooper, Tom Clementife, uh, Karen Gillan, Dave Bautista, and Ben Diesel. And then other characters for this movie, we have Chukwudi Iwuji, and there's a few others, but that's just the main cast. Oh, uh, Sean Gunn is another one that should be mentioned. Yeah, and I think this movie is so awesome it's it's what we need right now in yes. phase five of the mcu it is not it is not an mcu savior uh but um i do think it is a very strong movie especially wrapped around the other mcu movies in recent times i, I full-heartedly agree with that i think this is one of the best marvel movies we've had in the last couple of years um i also think this is this movie cements the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise as probably the first or second best trilogy of the MCU movies. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it is a very solid trilogy, and James Gunn brings us all. I feel like James Gunn not only just wanted to... Like, you could tell he cares about the Guardians of the Galaxy, so he wanted to end a trilogy on a really good note. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost... Like also a farewell since you know he's moving on to running the DCEU. Yes, a lot. There's a lot of theories even with this that basically says that James Gunn wrote a story for Rocket about his experience with Marvel and treating Marvel as the high evolutionary and him as Rocket. And there's a lot of similar symmetry to what went on with Marvel and what's going on with Marvel and them really trying to reel back their decision of letting Rocket go. Uh, or James Gunn go and bringing him back for one last Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And yeah, it's definitely a good giant, like goodbye for James Gunn from the MCU. I think he couldn't have gone out on a better film. And I think people will miss James Gunn's directing and Marvel movies after this. Yeah. And I mean, this movie, it just puts you through such a mix of emotions. Oh, God. (laughs) I think what I love is that every character shines. They're all great characters. And there's a really great mix of humor and like the dynamic of the characters and even like drama. So like the the balance between humor and drama is done really well here. Yeah. Uh, This is a movie that made me laugh a ton. It also made me cry several different times. It also just had so much heart and just so much like I, I can't tell you enough how much I think this really just cemented this as a such a solid trilogy. Like it's so incredible what James Gunn did with these three movies. And this is why I say that I think for the most part, if you're planning a trilogy with movies, you have to have the same director. You have to have one vision throughout the entire way through and you have to just go do it like this <laughs> on uh, in situations where you know a trilogy of movies or you know even two movies if a director 
or writer ever changes, I firmly believe they should look at this for inspiration as well. Because even if a director changes, there should be a, some sort of communication and outline written so that, you know, it doesn't get all muddied and just destroyed. Yeah. And I mean, that's not to say that directors haven't taken over franchises and made them better or done just as good with them or anything like that. I mean, we've seen that with Evil Dead franchise that has three different directors and three different scenarios and all of those are really amazing but there's a lot of franchises that really struggle doing multiple directors and i just love it when a franchise sticks with its gun with its main cast and its main director and its writer and with its james gun yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah this also has one of the best Marvel villains I've we've seen in a long time. I have not cared about a lot of the Marvel villains, and a lot of the one-off villains are really, truly terrible and not memorable at all. But, man, the High Evolutionary and Chikwudi Iwuji did an incredible job. And if, if I'm saying that name wrong, I'm so sorry, but I, I don't know how to say your name. Yeah, the, the High Evolutionary, it's nice because... I feel like, like surface level, he could be seen as a basic villain, mm-hmm. but I really love the way he is because he is so different from a lot of villains in recent films. Oh, yeah. Most of the most recent films have villains where it's there's a lot of sympathy under like underlying with them and trying to make the audience understand why they're evil. And what I love about the High Evolutionary is. He is evil just to be evil. There's not much depth to him under the surface, but he is just a genocidal maniac, you oh, yeah. know, and it's just really, I don't know. It, it's nice seeing a villain that you can just be bad and someone that you can hate and want to see the heroes overcome. Oh, and they did an excellent job with making a character that everyone's going to hate. Cause anyone who tortures animals like he does or people like he does, no one's going to agree with this maniac like it's just he's a guy that everyone in the world is going to hate and that is amazing you're not going to have arguments like well thanos was right you know we are having an overpopulation problem it's like no like this guy is just crazy and he's just an awful human being (laughs) yep exactly so i think in the writing this film i think james gunn just really shines when making this movie and i guess other things that I want to praise this movie for before we move on. Uh, a lot of recent movies uh, have been criticized for, I guess, the way they look and like the CGI look and horrible and stuff. And I feel like this movie just looks amazing. And I feel like it's a great mix of practical effects and CGI. And I mean, you could tell they really poured all their resources into this movie because it just looks really good. Well, this movie actually did set the record for the most makeup appliances used in a single film, having more than 23,000 prosthetics used across more than 1,000 actors. So this does have a shit ton of practical looks and effects and the way that the aliens were made and the way that a lot of these armor pieces and everything, like most of it wasn't CGI. Most of it was actual prosthetics and actually setting the record for that with 23,000. I'm like, what movie's going to top that? (laughs) Yeah, it's really nice seeing care put in every aspect of this movie, the looks, the writing, and even the music, the music. Yet again, being a Guardians movie just shines. The awesome mix volume three, you know, it's mm-hmm. the music is just stellar in this movie. And I love the intro to new characters like Cosmo, um, which Cosmo for a lot of fans um, did have a sex chain in this movie. 
Uh, Cosmo is a female dog instead of a male dog. And uh, James Gunn did that as a tribute to uh, Laika. I think that was how it was pronounced. It's a Russian dog, one of the first animals to ever go into space. So he wanted to give an homage to the first ever dog to do it, and that dog was a female. So he wanted to make Cosmo a female for that reason. And I feel like having Cosmo a female instead of a male, like it's it it's not really a big change. <laughs> is not a big deal. And I'm I don't know. I think she it's a well written character, really fun and lightens the mood, but also has some great serious moments too. Even even the dog is a nice strong character to the movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> And we get our first uncensored F-bomb in this movie, which was pretty fantastic, actually. <laughs> we'll get into that when we get into the spoilers, but that is yeah, one of my favorite lines in the movie, for sure. First, first F-bomb in an MCU movie, so that's great. They've yep. always tried before, but, you know, it always gets cut off, like, in the Spider-Man movies and stuff. But Yeah. Uh, I guess, is there anything else that you want to say before we move to spoilers? Um, I think that's pretty much everything. All right. Well, I don't know if I said this already, but I definitely highly recommend this movie. Oh, yeah, because um, we didn't give recommendations. <laughs> uh, I think it's worth a buy, hundred oh, percent. Yeah. Um, like it, the last amazing MCU movie was probably Spider Man. No 3. way home. Yeah. No way home. And this this movie is so good. Not as good, but it's so good. <laughs> worth the watch. Worth the buy. This is probably in the at least like probably top 10, top seven MCU movies ever. One of the best superhero movies ever. This is going to go down for a lot of praise, I think. And this one's going to really hold up over time. I think this one, like David said, definitely worth a buy. Go out and watch it. I surprised, honestly, I haven't watched it multiple times in theaters. There's just been so many movies that have came out recently that I have to <laughs> spread the love a little bit, but uh, I can't wait to watch this movie again and again. Definitely. So, uh, before we move on, next week we are looking at Steven's pick, uh, Cocaine Bear. Yes, I'm excited for that oh. one. I think if you have a <laughs> subscription to Peacock, it's available there. Yep. We will move on to the spoilers. To begin with, we are on Nowhere, which the Guardians have made their base now. Yep. Base of operation. And we open up to Rocket listening to some music. And I think it's uh, listening to Creep by Radiohead. Yep. It's just really well done scene. <laughs> Again, soundtrack for this one, just like all the other Guardians movies, is really great. And I think we went 70s, 80s. So this one was all 90s music. Yeah, I think so. This was really incredible. So we see Peter's just really just in the most depressed state ever, still still not gotten over Gamora and not being with her, not knowing what she's doing and how she's a completely different person. And it's not the same Gamora. And he's still really just struggling with that. And the Guardians are all trying to just keep afloat. They're putting up a sign that's actually in the Cree language that says Guardians of the Galaxy, a neon sign for their base. And they're doing all this other stuff just... Keep keep it moving and everything, and everyone's kind of just getting annoyed with Peter. <laughs> yeah, the movie kind of opens on like this somber tone, and uh, you see, you know, Peter is, you know, just getting hammered drunk at this bar, and apparently he's been getting drunk constantly because mm -hmm. he's just going through this time of depression. And yeah, it's a 
kind of interesting seeing how his character development is. I don't remember when exactly this takes place, but I love there's actually a scene where Peter's talking and he talks about how he almost uh, almost was the cause of like half the universe dying. And it actually brings homage to him uh, in Infinity War, like when they're trying to pull the gauntlet off of Thanos and he's just punching him in the face because of Gamora or whatever and it like breaks everything and he and a lot of fans ultimately are like what the hell was Star-Lord thinking they had him why would he do that why was he so stupid and I love that they actually pointed that out and he's like get like super depressed because of that like yeah that was kind of my fault <laughs> yeah and uh, so I guess while you know dealing with Peter everyone else there is trying to just make this base whole they're putting up buildings and signs and trying to make everything work. And uh, I know Kraglin is practicing with the uh, the whistle arrow that he has. Yep, Yondu's that he inherited from arrow. Yondu. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's sitting there with Cosmo. And it's pretty cool. Cosmo is like a telekinetic dog. Yep. And I love that scene because like uh, Cosmo just keeps making fun of Kraglin for not being able to control this arrow. And he's like, they set up like a little like, course for him to use with the arrow. And he's like, oh, it's so easy. Why don't you do it? And she does it with a rock and does it like instantly and travels through everything. And everyone's like cheering like, hey, Craglin's like, God damn it. <laughs> and Craglin gets so mad. He calls Cosmo a bad dog. <laughs> this is this is one of the comedic bits for me. And I love that they kept doing this throughout the movie. But Cosmo gets so upset about Craglin. I'm not a bad dog. Take it back. Take it back. I'm not a bad yeah. dog. Take it back. <laughs> yeah, throughout the whole movie, it's it's really fun that it keeps coming back. But uh, I guess after this happens and everyone's trying to like settle down and whatnot, uh, we get introduced to Adam Warlock flies in and just starts attacking the base. Yes. And he specifically is heading after Rocket for some reason. Yes. Oh, I don't think I brought up. Uh, Will Poulter is all Adam Warlock. I, I forgot to bring him up earlier when we were talking about the cast. And one thing I'm I'm pretty sad about is that Adam Warlock is very underutilized. His character is kind of wasted, um, underdeveloped. He's made into a joke, basically. And yeah. his character even feels like an afterthought. Like when you think about it, I I imagine in the room, and I've seen a lot of other interviews talk about it, where you know people are thinking, "Oh, James Gunn has this third movie," and it's like, "Oh, hey, remember at the end of the second movie where you hinted it out of Warlock?" Yeah. Like, oh well, kind of forgot about him. It would have been <laughs> nice if he got introduced, you know, before Infinity War, because in the comics, Adam Warlock actually helps defeat Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. But yeah, he just he kind of feels just thrown in as an afterthought and it's i don't know i feel bad because i I like the actor and i like the character but he kind of feels like he's a child almost it's it's a weird interpretation of adam warlock yeah no it's definitely uh it's definitely weird and they kind of spill it out and say like he is this way and he is kind of like a child because he didn't go throughout his entire like cocooning process. He didn't fully uh-huh. evolve the way he should have, um, which was super weird. I, I didn't necessarily like what they did. Um, I don't think it was Will Poulter's fault. And I think Will Poulter did good with what he was given. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, but yeah, it is just kind of weird how that one is just like the sovereign people in Adam Warlock felt so that this is the one part of the movie that I did feel like was a little forced and didn't necessarily need to be involved, but it was probably just to tie up those loose ends of, I was probably going to do more guardians movies than just the three, but I'll, I'll shove it in here. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, they also explain that, you know, since he has that childlike mentality, he's still learning and eventually he'll, you know, become a lot smarter and stronger. And I mean, he's already pretty strong. He's, he's basically Superman and Captain Marvel mixed together. He can shoot lasers out of his arms and stuff and he can fly and strong. I mean, Adam Warlock is in the comics and everything is always such an insanely powerful character. Yeah, and it's it's just I think it's unfortunate that he was introduced now mm-hmm. instead of before Infinity War because I feel like he could have played a better and more impactful part in the MCU if he got introduced sooner. Yeah, and I mean, like uh, I think my favorite instance of Adam Warlock it actually was in the Guardians of the Galaxy video game that Marvel put out. Um, mm-hmm. That honestly has my probably my favorite Cosmo ever and my favorite Adam Warlock ever. So if you're really wanting a really good Adam Warlock, go play that game. (laughs) (laughs) So now from there, when Adam Warlock is uh, attacking the nowhere, he ends up shooting Rocket in the chest Mm -hmm. and like knocks the wind out of him, but he basically cuts into his chest and he's lying there dying and everyone's trying to save Rocket. Yeah. And I mean, this is, I, I love the effects so much of like uh, Nebula when Adam Warlock and Nebula are fighting and he's like breaking all of her bones and just shattering her and just like it's really showing how powerful he is when he's like throwing Drax around and throwing Nebula around and Mantis can't do anything like nobody in the Guardians can do anything and it's just like what the hell is all going on and Peter's trying his very best to keep everyone's trying to get their very best to keep rocket alive and just stop this Adam Warlock guy. And like, who are you? Why are you here? What is going on? Like, what the hell? Like this makes no sense. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. But they end up, uh, fending him off enough that Adam ends up having to retreat and they go to help rocket. And when they're going to cut in rocket to help him, they realize that, his former creator that mutilated his body put in a kill switch that if anyone attempts to work on rocket's body and his internal organs, that he will instantly be killed. Yeah, no, it's, it's really crazy. And so they set out on trying to go back to uh, like an old prison or an old lab or whatever, where uh, rocket was created. Cause they I don't remember how they get some of the information of where the, he was. I think it's Nebula looks inside of his code and sees that this place mm-hmm. ends up keeps coming up. And so they go there to try to figure it out. And I think this is where we get the uh, the different colored suits, spacesuits. <laughs> yeah, they head to this uh, this prison lab company place to get this microchip that'll have all the information about the kill switch and hopefully have the kill switch on it. And they have to go and they have to break through the defenses and this prison lab place is a mix of mechanics and flesh. Like the whole place is made out of living flesh. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. It is. Super but they have weird. to cut into it and sneak in and 
they got suits of the workers from that place, like janitors and stuff. It's really cool. And when they break in, uh, we get this, uh, some good dialogue between, um, Peter Quill and Gamora. And it's kind of interesting seeing a different Gamora and how she is like this Gamora almost seems like she is still like dark and hard on herself and, you know, really got under Thanos's thumb, you know, just, Mm -hmm. She has this darkness about her, but she's also been hanging out with another crew. Yeah, she's actually been hanging out with the Ravagers, which was what Peter, Quill, and Yondu used to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And she's working right underneath Sylvester Stallone's character. Yeah, so she's she's completely different than the original Gamora. And yeah. that's what Peter needs to realize is that this is a different Gamora. And this he keeps on Gamora. like trying to like hit on her and stuff and he keeps on saying like all the things that they used to do and everything. He's like, Gamora's like at one point, she's like, you know, all the things you keep saying, it seems like things that are like you, all the things that you like in me or what I used to be or whatever. It seems like all the same things that Nebula is. And then Peter's like, Hmm, Nebula. Hmm, have, you have beautiful eyes. They're black. It's a, it's a beautiful shade of black. <laughs> My father picked him out. <laughs> Interesting exchange. Yeah. But once they, I love that scene though, because Karen Gilliam is just like, "Stop looking at me like that." Phil, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once they get in the prison, we uh, meet a lot of the prison guards, and the main one is Nathan Fillion. Yep, he's which, in every like, one of the Marvel or Guardians movies. Was he in the second one? He yeah, was. he was an uh, he was the voice of an inmate in the second one. Uh, okay, because I know in the first one he was an inmate. Yep. So, okay, interesting. Because in, in the first one, he was the one that Groot shoved his fingers, grew up into the nose of the guy, and he flipped him onto the ground. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't remember him in the second one, but yeah, it's it's a really cool uh, cameo, and I mean, Nathan Fillion's fun to watch, but... Oh, yeah. Well, he's really good friends with James Gunn, so he's pretty much in every yeah. one of his things, yeah. <laughs> so, it's it's really cool. They The Guardians kind of split up, and some of them go to look for this kill switch key, and the rest are just kind of trying to keep a lookout and look for a way to escape. Yes. Um, we get some really funny things with Mantis and Drax too. Cause like Mantis will mess around with Drax and like make certain guards, like fall in love with Drax and stuff like that to get through certain security points. <laughs> and he's like, God, oh, no, not again. <laughs> and it's just always funny. Like seeing Mantis's like mind control powers and the way that she can manipulate thoughts and stuff. And I really love the way that they, utilize her powers in this movie a lot more like i feel like mantis really takes a lot more prominent role in the guardians this time yeah i think this is the most we've ever seen her do anything yeah like, uh, combat wise too it's it's actually cool actually seeing her fight we saw her fight a little bit in a couple of the other movies but we actually get to see her thrive and yeah. her character get, has a lot of great moments in this movie oh yeah no it's pretty fantastic and we get you know uh Quill trying to be a Riz God with the person to try to get these, <laughs> this kill switch code. And he finally convinces this girl to help him get the kill switch code. And he gets the, all the information about rocket, but they realize that that doesn't actually have the code that they need. They just have more information about rockets creation. Yeah. And I guess one thing we forgot to mention is that throughout all these different segments, we also cut away to flashbacks mm-hmm. of Rocket's past and how he is created. And it's, it's really 
interesting but also really dark so yes. just uh anyone that it you know absolutely loves animals it just it's it's gonna be too much there is like some tough moments in this movie oh yeah for, you know violence against animals so just be prepared for that yep it is it's pretty dark and stuff and it's kind of funny. I actually saw a, a quote about the high evolutionary, like James Gunn and the guy who plays the high evolutionary, Awuji. They actually worked on him and they uh, they worked on him to make him a dark, irredeemable character focusing on his traits of single-mindedness, narcissism, and zealotry, traits held by the most horrific figures in all of history. So when we say, like, this guy's mentality is just, I'm just an evil son of a bitch, that's exactly what he is. <laughs> exactly. So... But yeah, we we see that, you know, Rocket was constantly getting technology added to his body and his body would be broken down and rebuilt Mm -hmm. and kind of mutated so that he he ends up learning how to talk and walk and work with technology. And he meets other animals that also have, you know, technological bits on them. Yeah. And And it's really cool story of friendship between the three animals that he meets in the cells. Oh yeah. It's, it's honestly like really beautiful because there's the like ferret weasel otter. I don't remember what exactly she is. I think she's technically an otter. Okay. And then we have the like little walrus kind of thing. And then the bunny rabbit. The walrus walrus has like a wheelchair legs, Mm -hmm. wheels and stuff. And then there's this rabbit that is being held up by the neck and like this contraption around her mouth where it has like metallic spider legs. So she's walking on robot legs while she's just kind of floating there. It's it's interesting. It's really, really cool designs. Yeah. They're really, really cool designs. And I love all the conversations they have and just like the, the wonderness and like that when they first meet each other, it's like super shy and timid around each other, but then they kind of soothe each other. And then they talk about all the things that they want to do in life. And they talk about how they all want to escape together. And they're like, well, we don't even have names. We should give ourselves names. And I love like the rabbits. Like I'm going to give myself the name of floor. Cause I'm lying on the floor. <laughs> and, and rocket gives himself the name rocket because he wants to fly away and mm-hmm. soar into the sky and explore and travel. Well, and, this and is, I mean, it's really cool watching their friendship. Oh yeah. And it's really cool because it's like throughout all of these flashbacks and stuff too, we're seeing that rocket seems to be the most intelligent being that the high evolutionary has created. And he keeps trying to make all these other beings, but they keep being too aggressive. They keep being too violent and he can't figure out what exactly it is. Rocket takes one look at this machine and he's like, well, it's probably because of that. And that's that was exactly the problem. And he's like, how did you know that? How, 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 how do I teach everything I create to be as intelligent as you? What is What did I do with you where you're so different from every other thing that I've created? How are you this amazing where everything else has failed? And this guy makes planets of people and then just completely destroys it when it doesn't work out. Like this guy is like, when we say genocidal, like he straight up creates an entire planet of people and then murders that entire planet. If it doesn't do exactly what he wants after a couple of years. Yeah. They're not thriving and growing intelligently to the way he wants. He just gets rid of them and starts over. Yep. So the, we end the flashbacks with, um, rocket escaping the facility and uh the high evolutionary has his three other animal friends killed and 
before Rocket escapes, he jumps on and just thrashes the high evolutionary space. Mm-hmm. And you never you never see the outcome of it in the flashbacks. Which was but awesome. Way better. You see the outcome later at the end of the movie. Yeah. But it's just, you hear it and he's screaming. You see some cuts and stuff and it's pretty brutal, but Rocket escapes in a ship and that's, you know, like his origin. Yep. It, it's really, really dark origin and you it really... Because a lot of like in the first couple movies with Rocket and him not ever wanting to talk about his history and not wanting to be called a raccoon and not wanting to do all these things like I'm not this I'm not that I I don't want to talk about this I don't want to talk about my past like he always was so shut off and then when everyone finds out why he was so shut off they're like oh shit yeah it's it's brutal (laughs) and everyone feels bad for him I mean even Nebula is like oh that's dark (laughs) which (laughs) nebula has it just as bad if not worse so they get to a point where they uh realize where they can find the kill switch and it is in a uh, a scientist's uh robot head yeah he's got like a hard on this planet head visor thing so they go to the planet and it's one of the high evolutionary planets and you know it's very uh I don't know. It's like it looks like uh, one of those like suburban, you know, perfect neighborhoods that they land in. Yeah, it's the Counter Earth. Yeah, Counter Earth is what they call it, and it's it's interesting. Everyone that lives on this planet is like a form of animal that got mutated to be you know more human like, and yeah, uh, they end up you know splitting up again. They tell some people to hang out at the spaceship to watch over Rocket, and then Peter and Nebula are going to leave to the high evolutionary headquarters to get this kill code. Yeah. And the counter earth is actually based off of, uh, HG Wells, dark sci-fi tale, the Island of Dr. Moreau. And he actually based the high evolutionary and counter earth, both off of that, that book. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, it's a anamorphic planet though. All these different animal humanoid combinations. And we get the scene in the trailer where, Drax throws a basketball at like a bunny rabbit humanoid's face and everyone starts freaking out. And one of the humanoids uh, creatures helps them out and lets them borrow their car. And this is where we get the first F you because Peter gets in the car because obviously he knows about human technology and it's a, it's a human car. And so he gets in and Lebula's like, how do you, how do you get into this? He's like, you, you push the button. What button? I don't see a button. The only button that's there. Well, what do I do with it? Then you pull the handle and you get in the fucking car. <laughs> and it's just, it's, I didn't do it justice. The way they do it in the movie is just so much better with the timing and the way they do it. But it's just so funny. I love it so much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty great scene. And I think everyone in my theater was like, what? <laughs> pretty great. Pretty funny. But. So they start driving, and of course, Peter, uh, you know, even though he knows what a car is, he doesn't really know very well how to drive it, and it's a stick shift, so he's mm-hmm. struggling, but they eventually get to the High Evolutionary's base, yeah. and it's cool because um, Groot, Peter, and Nebula are there, mm-hmm. and they go up into the base, and um, or is it, it's just Peter and Groot, right? Nebula has to stay down by the car. Yes. Yes. Uh, but they get inside and you know they don't allow any weapons or whatnot in and since nebula is weapon that's why she had to stay yeah that's right uh so they're up talking to the high evolutionary about getting the code and whatnot and 
everything goes awry. They end up attacking and getting the code from the scientist. But uh, what's cool is like Groot under the plates of his like wooden chest and his back kind of splits apart and pulls out mm-hmm. a bunch of guns and with Peter's guns and they were hidden. Which was and so cool. Was, yeah, it was so awesome. And Honestly, Groot, because I really love what they did with Groot in the first movie. I did not like what they did as much with the Groot in the second movie. And I know it's a, it's a separate Groot because it's the child of Groot. It's not actually Groot or whatever. Because uh, the first Groot actually did die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really love what they did with Groot in this one where they showcased his powers a lot more. We got to see him as uh, more of like an adult Groot again or closer to adult Groot again and just seeing him like doing that like having all these hidden compartments underneath his skin to hide all these guns and then all of the branch things that he does and all the different attacks that he does and I mean like even when they're falling out of the high evolutionaries like building when they grab the guy who has the code he like sprouts like giant glider wings and stuff and I'm like oh my god this is so cool (laughs) and a really cool sequence um, like fight sequence there and they end up escaping but the high evolutionary sets off a self-destruct device for the planet because he's gonna destroy the planet since he wants to start over no one's good enough there so and adam warlock goes back to the the ship because he's still trying to go after rocket and the high evolutionary also sent a couple of his goons over to the ship as well and the only one there because both drax and mantis decided we're going to go try to help everybody <laughs> is uh, Nebula and Nebula called for the Ravagers. Oh, Gamora. Or Gamora. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. Why. No, you're, <laughs> you're right. You're right. It was Gamora. Yeah. So Gamora's there and she doesn't really care about any of this stuff. But then all of a sudden she starts like kind of having a little bit of a heart because of how much heart everyone's showed towards Rocket. And she's like, well, I can't just let Rocket get taken. So she starts fighting back against all of them. Uh, which this giant pig robotic creature that he sends out was really crazy looking it really was like reminiscent to me of like bebop rocksteady kind of vibes yeah. <laughs> um but yeah the planet starts getting destroyed uh gamora is trying to fly the ship that she doesn't know how to fly and she <laughs> saved rocket and she was able to i forgot how adam warlock is knocked out but he's knocked out and he's on the ship as well and she actually saved this little animal companion that animal warlock has been attached to. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool. Cause she picks up a uh, Groot and Peter and Nebula Drax and Mantis think they're still on in the high evolutionary's base. Mm-hmm. So they go in the base and then the base takes off and is actually a ship. Um, yeah. So it takes off before the planet explodes and this whole misunderstanding gets realized. And so, while they're on the high evolutionary ship and Peter and Groot have the kill switch code. Now they go in to help and save rocket. Yes. And it's such a powerful scene there. Cause rocket is having dreams still. And it, like a lot of these flashbacks are kind of through rockets dreams. Mm-hmm. And he has this dream where he actually goes into the white light and meets his friends again. And the otter friend, uh, actually tells him like, we are here for you, but it is not your time. And it's such an emotional scene. Yeah. Like my movie, the movie theater I was in was just dead silent. Cause it was so hard to watch. Um, yeah, but rocket does get saved 
and they decide to go after the evolutionary because they got to get the rest of their family, you know? <laughs> yep. And then on the ship, Nebula and Mantis and Drax realize that he has an entire like planet's worth of kids on the ship. And they also find a ton of animals and stuff that the high evolutionary plans to start another planet with. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing these testing on all of these different beings and creatures now. And, um, weirdly enough, Drax is like the only one who can understand and like talk to these kids. And it's like really funny because Nebula is being kind of just a dick to Drax and Mantis a lot here, but then they actually kind of the ones that save her and everybody throughout this entire ship segment, which was really cool. Honestly, I really liked seeing some of these like kind of uh, underdog, stupid characters that have cast him as throughout these movies really shine in this movie so much more than in the other ones. And mm-hmm. I, I just seeing Drax having so much of a heart and just showing that he is such a good like leader and that he does, he's, he would have been a great father and those kind of sentimental moments that he has there. And yeah, it's just really cool. And uh, we get some really awesome creatures in this area too, that they get thrown in with and I forgot what they're called. Uh, but those like giant creatures that were, we see one of them at the beginning of the second movie. Yes. But they're like blind mole creatures that have these like giant, like tentacle things and they're just ginormous and they'll pretty much kill anybody or anything that walks around or in their room. But then Mantis is able to connect with them. (laughs) Yeah. It's really cool how she connects with them and they end up helping them escape. And, um, so yeah, we get one of the coolest sequence in the movie here because they, Peter and the the other half of the gang crash into the ship, and end up in this corridor and finding the rest of the team, hmm. and we get the coolest like one shot fight scene ever. Like they're in this corridor, all the characters are fighting different enemies and hopping around each other, and the camera's just kind of flying through this corridor, watching different characters shine and have these moments and. It it's is just one so of the well done. Scenes, honestly, I I don't know why hallway scenes have been becoming such a big, amazing thing, but man, is it impressive! And seeing all the different things in this, like again, I said, like there's times where like Nebula gets hit in the face and her neck like breaks and goes off to the side, and then she's able to like snap it back and then fight back immediately. And I'm like, that's just so cool. <laughs> Yeah, it was, and the music again just shines here. Just the, oh, yeah. I mean, the whole movie—it's just such a really cool sequence. Um, and after that, they end up going after the High Evolutionary, and they split up again so that some of the team can go save the kids that are on the ship, and the other team can go after the High Evolutionary and mm-hmm. try to stop everything that's happening. Yeah, this is this is really amazing too, because then they get Craglin to bring the celestial head of nowhere and actually fly it to them and uh, and, and then they I, use I love oh, go for it. <laughs> sorry you go ahead you, no, go, you go you go i love how when nowhere shows up and they have all these ships go and fight against the high evolutionaries army and stuff but i love how in the eye of nowhere they have this giant cannon mm-hmm. that just starts shooting the ship and i'm sure that's where you were going right there so I actually but, was going to go talk about how Cosmo uses her oh, incredible powers here to connect the ships together and holding the ships together. And Cosmo, yeah. you really realize how powerful Cosmo is in some of these it's moments. so cool. And like when you see Cosmo fighting even on the planet, when the high evolutionary like sends a bunch of like these robots and stuff after them and 
Cosmo's like giant grabbing giant boulders and smashing them together to crush these robots and just like you're just like oh Cosmo's like insane actually <laughs> and I, I love this because it comes full circle Cosmo saves Craglin and everyone mm-hmm. and Craglin of course he gets full control over his arrow yes but he and Cosmo meet up and after Cosmo does this awesome move um <laughs> Something that an enemy says something to Craglin. I can't remember what, but something about the dog. Uh-huh. And he says, no, Cosmo is a good dog. And finally <laughs> says it. And it's like this great payoff. That oh, yeah. Set up the whole movie. Well, it, it really was. Mind. It really was such a fantastic payoff. And you see the light in Cosmo. I knew I knew you didn't think I was a bad dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So the ship uh, is going to be destroyed now, and uh, we get a, another good moment where um, everyone is escaping with the animals and the children, and Rocket goes through, and he finds a cage that is filled with a bunch of baby raccoons, and he just sees it as, oh, it's more creatures like me. I've never known mm-hmm. what I am, and he sees on the cage written, raccoon. Mm-hmm. So that's when he realizes, oh, I am a raccoon. And it's this great moment because the evolutionary comes in and attacks him and they get in this awesome one-on-one fight. Oh yeah. And the high evolutionary calls him just, he keeps calling him by his code name, which I can't remember what it is. Just uh, list of numbers remember. and letters and just like really tearing him down. And we get this awesome moment where Rocket stands up and says, my name is Rocket, Rocket yeah. Raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> just this epic, epic yes, moment. It and was- takes down the high evolutionary and such a great moment. And I love how rocket can still outsmart the high evolutionary and stuff. And then you get the reveal of what rocket did in the past to the high evolutionary's face. And yeah, man, he was wearing like cool. a fake face and it gets knocked off. And then he almost looks like red school with his like nose and everything like ripped off. And like, oh, it's just, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. Pretty brutal. So yeah, they end up saving the rest of the animals. Cause Peter and, uh, the rest of the guardians show me like rocket let's go we've saved all the children rocket's like no let's save the animals too so they do grab all the animals and they leave and then everyone's about to get off the ship and then peter drops his walkman so he has to run back to it and then barely's like flying out into space and almost about ready to die and he's like swelling up and can't breathe and then we get what i also argue is it's really funny but it's also really stupid is the adam touching God moment of the painting where Adam and uh, Star-Lord are actually touching fingers like the old Adam touching God painting. <laughs> and I was like, are you serious? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty on the nose, but I like that part uh, because it gives Adam, like you see hit, throughout the movie, he's struggling like what morally is right. Cause he's, he's grown up, he's mm-hmm. learning. And uh, Drax is like, why do you, or he asks Drax, why'd you save me? And he says, everyone, or no, Groot talks, says, I am Groot. And Drax tells him, he said that everyone deserves a second chance. Yep. So he goes out and he saves Peter. Well, and one thing we didn't mention throughout this too is throughout the High Evolutionary, sending more and more people after Rocket, and more and more people are dying, and more and more craziness is happening, and half of his ship is destroyed. Like his crew is like, why are you caring so much about this one being? Like, we have making entire planets of races of beings, and you only care about this one being more than anything, and you'll let everything die, you'll let all of us die, you'll let everything go to wash before this one being, but this one being to him is everything. It's the only being that he's ever created that figured 
out how to have its own thought and process and its own be able to like really understand everything on an intellectual like human level that no computer or animal that he's ever had has been able to do and he's snapping like i mean like when we say he's just an evil vile being like when people are like almost turning on him he's just like starts killing his own people and like i don't care i will kill him i will kill him and that's it all and i'm like holy crap man like you're crazy <laughs> but yeah no this this it wraps up so well and it's kind of the moment where now we're kind of seeing that the guardians might actually be splitting up for the time being. Yeah. They all look at each other and Peter decides, you know, I think I need to finally go home to earth and find my grandfather and be with my family before I lose that chance. Yep. And, you know, Mantis decides she wants to go exploring and kind of figure things out for her and whatnot. And I think the only people that stay together are Groot, Drax and Rocket. Uh, Drax also left, didn't he? Did he also leave? Oh so. no, he he, he stays stayed, on nowhere. Yeah, to help the with the kids. Yeah. Um. So he's still on nowhere, but the Guardians team is now Rocket, Groot, and then a bunch of the others, like even Warlock, joins in, and, and some of the kids join in, yeah. and Kraglin, and, uh, and Cosmo, Cosmo, yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, that's it's a good moment. And then they're all like choosing which song to go. And we see them go out like on their first mission together as the new Guardians of the Galaxy, which is really cool. And I mean, I knew it was kind of a thing that was going to be kind of happening because I think I heard Dave Bautista before this movie came out saying this was going to be his last MCU movie. So I knew that they were probably going to be done with him and stuff at least. And well, I know like Chris Pratt said, he's open to come back as Star-Lord, but only if he feels like Star-Lord's character is going to be done justice. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to just be in and have his character thrown away. Like he wants to honor the character For that, sure. you know, James Gunn had worked so hard to write. Yeah. And we get a post credit scene where he actually does go and meet his grandfather and his grandfather like notices it's him. Not instantly, but pretty quickly. And it's like, oh my God, Peter. And they have a good like moment of hugging each other and they're like eating breakfast together and stuff like that. It's it's, it's really good. Like I really, really enjoy the way how this wrapped up. And like I said, it's still one of the best single movie villains the MCU's had. Yeah, I think it was, it's a very well-rounded movie. And I like seeing the the new Guardians team at the end. It's kind of cool watching how they've already connected. And it looked like they'd already done some missions together. And mm-hmm. I like the design of Groot at the end, how he's kind of like a giant brute force at the yeah. end. It's really awesome. Um, but I guess like my final thoughts for the movie is that it is just a very satisfying end to this trilogy. Yes. Like if, if you're a huge fan of Guardians of the Galaxy, you're, you're going to like this movie. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And I was actually looking it up. So this is only the third trilogy in all of the MCU to have the same director for all three films. Spider-Man and Ant-Man are the only other two. They have what? The same director for all three movies. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, which Spider-Man is my other favorite trilogy of the MCU. Ant-Man, the first two are good. <laughs> <laughs> They all have their strengths and weaknesses, I'd say. But as far as this trilogy goes in this movie, it's it's very satisfying. It definitely is not perfect. It has some cracks in it, and yes. there's some things that it could have done a lot better or done without. Yes. But it 
all in all is a great movie. Yes. And yeah, uh, I think pretty much we've said everything about the movie we can. Uh, this movie, 100% worth watch, worth the buy. If you're a fan of the MCU and you've been waiting for the next best MCU movie to come out and you kind of haven't watched a lot of the MCU mov- movies before, like all the new Phase 4 and Phase 5 movies, this is the one to get back into it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, go enjoy it. And next week, reminder, we will be looking at Cocaine Mirror. Woohoo! All right, bye, everybody. <laughs>